And based on the current climate of the life of the world that we're in right now, you're supposed to take all the data from your past, assess it for the life you're creating and the legacy you're building, and then choose what comes with you, thank the rest for bringing you this far and to leave it where it is. Namaste and welcome. I'm Vettina Blumenthal, and you're listening to the Soul Compass Podcast. I'm here to help you find your inner calm and deepen your self-discovery journey. Take this moment and focus on yourself, for your mental health, your ability to find ease in your everyday life, and your emotional well-being. It is so important that you nourish yourself not only physically, but also emotionally and mentally. Here at Soul Compass, you'll learn practical tips from experts who will leave you with a sharper focus and a renewed commitment to yourself. Hello and welcome to another Soul Compass episode. You know what? Today, I'm just going to stop the chit-chat at the beginning. We're just going to dive in and do our three-breath check-in before getting started with this episode. As always, and if you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're driving, just sitting up tall, lengthening the spine. And if you're seated in a chair, uncrossing your legs and grounding the soles of the feet onto the earth. And if you happen to be seated listening to this on the ground, find a comfortable cross-legged position. And if it's safe for you to do so, just resting the hands in your lap, drawing the shoulders down and away from your ears. And again, if it's safe, closing your eyes. First, tuning in, just We'll check in to see where you're at energetically today. Are you feeling really energized, overly stimulated? Find a nice balance or are you feeling a little depleted? And again, you're just being the observer of where you're at, checking in. No judgment here, no judgment zone. slowly letting that dissolve and just taking note of where you're at mentally, emotionally, what's going on. Slowly allowing that to dissolve away. Just taking a deep Conscious inhale in through the nose, expanding through the chest all the way to the belly. Pause. And exhale to let it go. Taking another deep inhale in through the nose, expanding through the heart all the way to your lower belly. Pause. Exhale to release. Last time like this, inhale, pause, and as you exhale, can you allow any tension in the face to relax and soften, maybe the jaw, the forehead, 
and just allowing the shoulders to rest, but continue reaching tall through the crown, energizing the spine. And whenever you're ready, you can gently flutter your eyes open. And we'll get started with this week's episode. Are you scared to get into your own head? You might be a little too worried about what you're going to find in there. But instead of sitting with your thoughts and being mindful when you're alone, you might have that tendency to reach for your phone, your headphones, or maybe a book. Any distraction that you can find to stop yourself from having to spend a little time within yourself. Well, you know what? There's probably a big old elephant up in there. And if you don't take the time to deal with it, then how do you really expect to grow? At the recent Camp Dovetail event, I witnessed the powerhouse that is today's guest, Carlin Purcell, give a short but very impactful speech. The more I heard, the more I listened, the more I knew that I needed to have her on the Soul Compass podcast. As a survivor of child sexual abuse, bullying, depression, and anxiety, Carlin knows what it's like to live in a dark place. And for so long, she too avoided the elephant in the room. But the more she studied the brain, neuroplasticity, and emotional intelligence, she realized that the only way to liberate herself from these traumas was to accept them for what they were. Carlin now accepts that all that has happened to her in her life has happened for her, not to her. A very important distinction to make. And in this conversation today, we talk about why. Carlin and I discussed many, many deep topics, but a few that I think you'd really be interested in is the imposter syndrome complex, understanding what your elephant in the room is and how to deal with it, how shame thrives and how you can avoid it, why adulthood is just the unfinished business of childhood, what is authentic intelligence, accepting your past traumas to heal and liberate yourself from negativity, and so much more. Without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. Carlin, the reason why I wanted to bring you on the show today was because you gave such, it was a short, but so sweet and impactful talk at the last Dovetail Base Camp. I think it's now called Camp Dovetail, if I'm not mistaken. I have to just say thank you to Alexis Dean and always give her a shout out because she's connected me with so many incredible women. But Carlin, when you were on stage talking... Well, I guess it was technically in a dining hall, but it was your stage for the day. You really shared some powerful insights. I think one thing that attracted me most to you was your authenticity and your story. I believe that it is our stories that guide us in the direction, especially into what we're teaching today. I'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself and the catalyst that helped you embark on this self-discovery journey with our audience. 
And for those who are listening, the talk I did was around elephant stories. I describe an elephant story as a, um, a difficult experience or um, a situation that you've been in or you've been through that is rooted in uncomfortable emotions, such as shame, fear, guilt. The root of all of it is, is usually fear and we spiral in different directions. And we create a life narrative based on that experience and we allow that to drive who we become and the type of goals we set, the type of relationships we enter and how we live and lead our lives. And um, I, I, I walked everyone through an exercise on how to identify your elephant story, how to tame it so that you can now be the CEO. You can be the one in the driver's seat of your soul and, and your life as well. That came about because I had an elephant in my life that I, that I needed to address. And, and the Elephant Stories Leadership Masterclass and our interactive garden experience, it was inspired by the elephant in the room idiom. Um, and I'm pretty sure you've heard of that, that, that idiom, which is, right, we all have that thing in our lives that we know. It's, it's at the back of our minds. It's there. It's like um, a skeleton in the closet. Not dealing with that particular thing is taking up a lot of space in our consciousness, preventing us from being present in our lives. And it actually, like I say, gets in the way of your success. And for me, I have several elephant stories, but I guess the one that really drove this whole, for me, making it not just a part of my business, but it's now our signature program and course, came about uh, when I went to, so I'm born and raised in St. Lucia, moved to Canada in 2003. I was 25 started working on Bay Street in the technology and operations that has been like my entire career in the fintech industry. And um, I didn't realize how hard it would have been for me to assimilate, especially from a cultural perspective. That led me down a road of lots of questioning. Um, I call it my Fondy Fondy moments and Fondy, an obsessive acronym, so there'll be a lot of referrals to that. Fondy stands for fear of not doing enough and Fondy stands for fear of not being enough. So I find that every room I entered, especially when the tech space women are underrepresented, as a Black immigrant woman, I'm even more underrepresented. So not seeing myself represented and not feeling like I have a right to raise my hand, to share my story, to ask questions, really fueled up my imposter syndrome um, complex, which again led me to questioning, okay, so why are you here? Are you even good enough to be here? You've worked twice as hard to prove that you're supposed to be here, but yet you're still not getting the accolades that you desire. Uh, and at the time, I was in a relationship because I felt like I wasn't worthy of love because I don't love myself, right? So there were all those elephants that were, that were coming up. And actually, work has been my most powerful, the, the, I would say, the last, like, 15 years. It has been the most transformational. Um, I have, I've had the most pivots while I was working full-time at the bank. And I remember going through the whole, okay, so why aren't you raising your hand on what's holding you back? And I saw an, an ad actually on television at the time when I still had television talking about the elephant in the room, don't drink and drive. And I remember thinking, oh, forget the elephant in the room. I have an elephant in my life that's literally sitting on my chest and it's suffocating me. And every day I'm finding it harder to breathe. I'm finding it harder to, to see myself. I feel like I've lost myself. I don't know who I am. I don't know who I'm becoming. And while I was really good at life and at work, like I'm hitting those project milestones. My reports are, you know, in sync. I'm, I'm killing it on all fronts. Inside, I was slowly dying. I really wasn't present in my life. And I feel like I've been a robot in my life for all those years. And I'm going to backtrack again a little bit. At the, how the whole thing came about, the whole elephant concept too, was I actually ended up going back to school because I got so fascinated by how do I get myself out of this rut? And I'm a self-help junkie. Uh, anyone else like who can relate? <laughs> 
if there's a podcast, a TEDx, a court, like you name it, I'm taking it because I was determined to find answers. Because at some point in your life, you get tired, you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I was sick and tired of being, of, of being sick and tired. So I discovered the work of Dr. Brené Brown. Um, her work on shame and vulnerability changed my life. She talked about um, hustling outside of yourself for worthiness. Um, when we outsource our stories, when we don't own our stories, when we allow shame to tell us who we are, we will, we will always be in this vortex of not good enough. And I went back to school. I went back to, to Schulich and I did a master's certificate in adultery and personal development. Because as I was learning from all these people, I'm like, and I applied it in my life, I started seeing small shifts happen. And I'm like, oh my God, this actually works. Like everybody needs to know that. So I started holding lunch and learns at work. And I started telling other people, oh, you don't feel appreciated at work. You have this crappy boss. You want to know how to navigate that and to still be assertive in your communication and who you are. I got something for you. And I went into my little toolbox and I'll pull with a worksheet or, you know, something like I was legit. Like, I don't, I guess you can say the love doctor, but what came up in my work was when I was looking at where do elephant stories come from? What do, what are the, the narrative? Why is the brain so loud? Why is there always a chatter? I got certified in, in, in neuroscience coaching. I, I, I got certified in emotional intelligence because I wanted to understand emotions. If at the end of every experience, what we create is an emotion, what are some of the emotional imprints I have on my soul? And if I don't know what they are, if I'm not clear around my emotions and what story it's telling me, how am I making conscious decisions in my life? I'm not. It means I'm an autopilot. And that means my unconsciousness, my unconscious narrative is driving who I am. That led me to understanding that, okay, if I had to take all my narratives, all the chatter, all the negative thoughts, the, the, the stories I tell myself about who I am and where I am, if I had to put them in different categories, what would that be? And this is when our SPEC framework came to life. And SPEC stands for societal programming, um, perception, experiences, and C stands for culture and family programming and conditioning. So I realized that a lot of my narratives that hold me back, my elephant story, it came from one of those buckets. So this gave me a framework to go back and forth and to challenge my negative thoughts and to challenge you know, my unconscious narratives and all the things on autopilot. This is what led me deeper into this work because I got so much clarity on my life. I finally understood how to fully become the CEO of my soul. <laughs> the biggest, I guess you can say elephant story that was the biggest public one, it came from my experiential elephant story. So I had some cultural stuff to deal with um, because I thought the cultural belief I grew up in the Caribbean was head down, work hard, somebody's going to recognize you for it, right? Don't boast, don't talk too much. Stay in your lane, really stay in your corner and then the world will reward you for that. But you and I both know that that, that doesn't work here. People will walk all over you, you'll work twice as hard, you will be twice as good, but you won't get the recognition you deserve if you don't raise your hand, if you don't advocate for yourself, if you don't ask for what you want. And yes, as a racialized woman, I have to do that twice as much, but it is my current reality and it's my duty to do it. So the second elephant story, which landed me on Own Canada, was the round around um, child sexual abuse. Uh, I shared that story in 2012 on OWN TV. And again, it, it was at a time around, you say you want love, you say you want more trust in your life, you want better relationships, you want deeper connection, but you're not connected to you because there's a barrier. Again, there's an elephant that's getting in the way of that connection. So how can we get past that elephant? And the research around shame, Dr. Brené Brown has some excellent work around that to anybody who wants to get the male perspective. The work of John Bradshaw as well is, he has some really great tapes on YouTube around shame. And, and what shame looks like from a male perspective, is that shame thrives in silence and secrecy. And what do we do with our shame stories, our elephant stories, our fear stories? We hide them because we think that if we show that side of ourselves or that's part of who we are, that people will judge us. 
and the identity that we have created outside of that story will be threatened. And then we're not sure, but who am I going to become with this new narrative? Who am I creating? Who am I, who am I becoming with now there's the story with the child sex abuse. There's a story with the, you know, the, the cultural shame and changing my belief system. There's a story about underrepresentation of the black woman, how I'm shown in the media. Like, what do I do with all these narratives? I don't know. No one taught me how to take all the unpleasant things and, and to extract the resilience from that. No one gave me the manual for that or the map for it. Like, where is the life book for that? Adulthood is to finish the unfinished business of childhood. Because I think the other shock that we all get as adults is that you get to adulthood and you're pairing the narrative from your societal and probably your family conditioning that you're supposed to know what you're doing. You're supposed to know what you want. You should be married. You should have kids. You should have your shit together and all those things. And then you become an adult and you have more questions. You realize that maybe some of the things that you learned growing up, it actually doesn't serve me in this lifetime, in this current climate and, and culture. And I'm supposed to create my own reality. Oh, but how? How can I do that with all those other things that no longer serve me? And no one coached or guided us through that. You will have more questions and that's okay. Actually, you're supposed to have more questions as an adult because you are creating your reality. You're creating your destiny. You're choosing who you're becoming. And based on the current climate of the life of the world that we're in right now, you're supposed to take all the data from your past, assess it for the life you're creating and the legacy you're building, and then choose what comes with you. Thank the rest for bringing you this far and to leave it where it is. I know that was a very long-winded <laughs> explanation to my elephant story and how I, I, I got started in this world, but this is what led me. Like my life experience moving here, all of it combined led me to, to sharing that. When the Oprah opportunity came, and it was, again, you talk about manifestation, you talk about divine synchronicity. Uh, Deepak Chopra talks a lot about that. And I've seen it happen in my life so many times. Sometimes it scares me to realize how much power we have as human beings. We're so powerful that we undermine that power. And, and in so many cases, we just don't use it. We just don't know that we have access to it. So this is why now my, my, my life work is dedicated to help people to understand how to tap into that power. I call it authentic intelligence. People talk about the fourth revolution, AI, robotics, you know, what's going to happen, jobs and the future of work. And I'm like, What's going to happen if we fully hone in into the AI, our brain, our soul, that authentic intelligence, if we allow both to be aligned, what will happen for our consciousness and for this lifetime and where we're going? Absolutely. And I love that you use the word power. I believe that all of us have a different definition of what power means. And this is probably what is holding most of us back from actually tapping into that authentic intelligence that lives within us. Because we see horrible representations of power, but it's generally power over others. And if we avoid that, because if you're running a business or you're trying to run your life from a heart-centered place, that is not really what you're looking for. But then you become, and I know I'm guilty of this, is become passive in my own life and in my own mind. We go on autopilot, but the recording or the tape that that autopilot is running on um, that robot is running on, it's not in alignment with the highest version of ourselves. So that passiveness becomes a recycled bin from your past, which again, why we feel this disconnect with self and um, where we're going in our lives. I wanted to ask you if you'd be willing, and I'm happy to play guinea pig, but go through what that elephant exercise might look like if you're taking a client through that. 
just so our listeners can get a better understanding of how they can use that technique in understanding what's going on and understanding their patterns, their beliefs that are holding them back in their life? Well, I often start with three questions of clients and I ask them, um, what do you want? Why do you want it? And if today was your last day on earth and you had to write your obituary, what is the one thing that you want included in there that speaks to your purpose of being on this earth? And I get them to start lining up the three. So if the obituary does not line up with the why, what do you want, right? And if that, so that means there's a, it's kind of like a mini life gap analysis. And the obituary can sound a bit morbid, but I think if we understand that we don't know when we're gone, we're all here for a purpose. By the way, we're all living in our purpose because your purpose is a combination of your skills, your talent, your elephant story, all the shit that has happened in your life, your values, that's your purpose. When you're living a whole full life, even if you're not living towards that full potential, you are in purpose. But the question is, are you maximizing your purpose on all these different points? So, and, and your passion also is fun. So are you maximizing on your passion or your talent or your skills or your elephant story? So with the elephant story piece, I often ask people those three questions. And then based on that, I ask them, okay, so if the life you're living right now, you know, you're, you're in a full-time job or maybe you're running your own business, whatever it is, and this is your obituary, what is the biggest opportunity, the next opportunity? What's that? What does that look like? And if you know that you had a deadline. And then based on that, I, I walk them through a, we call it a five senses model. We ask people, what does that look like? What does that feel like? What does that sound like? What does this taste like? And then based on that, we take a look at what narratives are coming up. And then where is that narrative coming from? Which usually leads us a little bit deeper into A, if it's a societal narrative, let's unpack, let's dive a little bit deeper. We also have a workbook that we take people through. And the other thing we do is that we also do your emotional intelligence test to get an idea of where you are on your emotional skills in terms of self-awareness. So if you feel like your uh, interpersonal skills, decision-making skills, how flexible are you in terms of your, your mental agility, et cetera, et cetera. And then we walk people through uh, the report and combined we come up with a plan to help you to start shifting your, your narrative, that mindset, so that you get closer to your becoming mindset. Everything else that comes after that, it's, it's our, our mindset, our emotions, our thoughts, emotions, and attitude that drives our action, right? I call it the T model. Every time I ask my clients, what's the T? If you're not doing what you're meant to do, if you're not where you are, you are supposed to be, then that means the tea, li li literally, that you're drinking, it's not the right ingredients. Like your thoughts are either misaligned or your emotions are, and your attitude, because the first two drive the last one. If you change thoughts or your emotions or your energy, then you automatically will upgrade your attitude. And there's so much data that our life, our, our life gives us. Like emotions is a bodily sensation, for example. The basics that I teach my clients is that emotions is just data. It's not a directive to act. Um, so if you understand that an emotions is energy in motion, and if emotion is a bodily sensation, then what is your life telling you right now? If you pause and you stay still, what is it telling you? Where is that emotion sitting? Is it in your chest? Is it in your throat, your pelvic area? Like, like where, what is it telling you? So with that narrative, I, I often encourage clients to just sit with it. Don't allow too much external data, but listen to your body. In the Success Planner, which is another tool I designed to help me to track different opportunities for deeper engagement and connection to self, we have a happy tracker. And I, I sometimes give clients, you know, simple, okay, what is love or joy? Whatever emotion that comes up for them, fear, disappointment, anger, um, monitor that for, the, for, the, for 30 days and see what data comes up for you. I love that you connected the mindset back to the body. 
the mind-body connection is so powerful. And even for myself on this journey, talk therapy is great. But I started working with a therapist that specializes in bioenergetics and coming back home into your body, your soul's home, and listening to its wisdom and that simple technique of just being in tune. And whether you stop intellectualizing it, it's just becoming more and more aware of what's going on, how your body's speaking to you, and the emotional intelligence piece is so key. And thinking of when I'm in fear, I already feel it in my chest. When I think of shame, I feel it right in my belly, right in my gut, and I can feel it deep in there. And when I'm not speaking or I feel really self-conscious and I'm not speaking up, I actually can feel it in my throat. It's these simple techniques that the way the body speaks to you when you actually slow down, you can connect with what's happening. It doesn't mean that it necessarily stops the emotion that's coming up, but it just becomes a lot easier to flow through it versus resist it. I'm sure that you can relate at some point in your life and maybe sometimes now, for myself especially, there are times when I don't want to sit with the emotion. It feels brutal. And I'm just like, I'm just trying to dodge it. Oh yeah, no, I avoid it. Like clearly. Yeah. I'm just like, oh no, we're not doing this today. I have no time for you. And I know she'll come back and I tell her that. I tell my gremlins that. I'm like, I know you're going to come back but right now. And, 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 and when I tell my clients that this is still okay because this is still a, a healthy coping mechanism because you're actually acknowledging it and you're saying it's not a, an unconscious, you know, ignoring it or pushing it under the carpet, right? It's a conscious like, yeah, I see you, but you know what? Yeah, not, not right now. Because on the range of our um, emotional mastery road, this is our time to play, to find out what works for you. There isn't a one-size-fits-all formula. Like even with this whole formula I'm sharing, some people might get it, some people might not, and that's okay. That's the beauty of life. That's why we need so many students and teachers all around because each and every single one of us have a piece of the puzzle. So for me, I, I tend to look at it as what if we gamify life? Today, I'm going to sit with it. I'm going to try, you know, sit with my emotions. And when it comes up in my throat or my chest, I'm going to breathe through it. Maybe tomorrow breathing doesn't work. Maybe tomorrow I'm going to scream it out. Or I'm going to like go to the gym and feel it and then like punch it out. Like, I don't know, but play with it. Have fun. Like discover you that way because the only way to get to self-mastery is to find out what works best to you um, in different uh, situations. And that will continuously change until we exit this earth in this body. Oh, absolutely. And this is a big reason why I started Soul Compass and bringing on different experts because as a student and as a teacher, recognize that my way of teaching, my way of delivering will not resonate with so many different people. But Carlin, you have such a different technique, same outcomes, same outcomes of what you're trying to help people with, but it's a different way for people to get there. And you being the light that you are, there's going to be so many people that just resonate with you and want to work with you. And the beauty of you as a teacher is that you are a forever student. And I can see that in your willingness to keep learning and in your willingness to just say, hey, yeah, last week I was going through a hard situation, but as much as I'm teaching this stuff, I still am human and I'm still experiencing what life has to offer at the end of the day. 
Yeah, 100%. Because I think people think that because some people are teachers and we're very public about it, people think that it means that you've got all your shit together and life is perfect. Some of the best teachers, they are actually some of the most, the busiest students because life is constantly throwing shit at us. Life is constantly testing us. Life is constantly saying, are you really, if you say this is your life's calling, how dedicated are you to this? Because I'm going to always take you to, to a different level. I will always take you to a different class. So are you really ready to show up for class? Or are you really, really going to do this? And this is why I say some of people are called to this work and some are chosen. Both work. It's just understanding where you are on that path. And if you are called and if you're chosen, then it's, it's two different roads that you get to navigate. But knowing that and understanding that also helps us to prepare for what's coming ahead. Would you say you've been called or chosen? I would say that I was called called in the sense that I didn't choose the lessons that have come up in my life so far. I didn't choose how I grew up. I not, everything that I've been through was designed to serve me. It was designed to get me to where I am today. And, and everything I'm going through right now, same thing. Like it's, life is constantly working on, on my behalf. And um, even some of the things like being on Oprah's life class and the way things have evolved in terms of the work that we're doing right now, I, I couldn't have chosen it. Um, I couldn't have. So it, there, there was a calling that happened. And part of that calling led me to, to, to being here. I have to say, my heart melts listening to you. Because even through your upbringing, coming to Canada, being a minority, especially in the tech world, it's like I know as a woman when I started in tech, and then also being a black woman in tech is, that's a big deal. And you could have looked at that one of two ways. You could have become the victim of your life, which... Which I did. I played victim really well for like a good decade, I would say. And the victim mindset, it doesn't go away. It's fluid, right? It comes and goes. But I, I spent a long time complaining, being unhappy, waiting for my boss to change, waiting for people to change, waiting for my family members to change. You know, because the problem is them, not us. We don't want to take ownership. Why would we ever want to do that? Exactly. Come on. That means I've got to face my shit. That means I have to do something about it. I'm, I would rather wait for people to change, which, you know, never happens. We just end up being more miserable and unhappy and frustrated. Um, oh, yeah. So I, I played victim really well. That's why now I'm cherishing uh, the other side of having the mental and emotional agility to choose. Um, how I show up and, and having the power to create my reality every single day. People often think they don't have a choice and you're the perfect example of choosing differently. And whether that was choosing to have a different mindset, that's part of the journey as well because even not making a choice is a choice in and of itself. Yeah, you've, you've defaulted to whatever is in your life at this moment. One of the biggest journeys that I had to go through was learning to love Carlin, was being okay with the person who's staring back at me in the mirror with all the imperfections. You know, my past experiences, not feeling worthy, not feeling good enough, and all the things that I went through, the depression, the anxiety, the child sexual abuse, the verbal abuse, the, like all of it. And during my, my, my journey of, of self-love, if I could give everyone one lesson is that acceptance is liberating. When you accept what is, only then can you exercise the right to choose. Because before that, what you're doing is that you're resisting, right? And with resistance, it means that you're using your power in a way that's not conducive to your current reality. So you're using up all your energy resisting, so then there's nothing left for you to actually choose consciously your next step or your next intention 
or even just having the power to, like you said, oh, I'm feeling this here. <sighs> Let me just sit with it and breathe with it. And to me, that is the, the one of the biggest lessons I learned. Because when I accepted the fact that being a survivor of child sexual abuse or all the stuff that I went through with the trauma, the PTSD and all the things, this is a part of your story, but it's not your entire story. But I wouldn't have come to that realization if I did not accept the fact that, no, 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 you can't change your past because I spent a long time trying to change it. I had a lot of those, I call it romanticizing my childhood. I had a lot of those, what if I never went through this? What would have been different in my life? What kind of choices would I have? Would I even move to Canada? Moving to Canada was trying to run away from my problems. Would I even be here? I don't know. You know what I mean? So I went through that period of resisting through what if and romanticizing my childhood until I got to the point and realized that the quickest way to change my childhood is um, for me to accept what is. And with that acceptance, I get to decide what is that end of that chapter going to look like? How am I going to write it? And everything shifted after that. Wow. And it's so true because even for me, my most traumatizing experience similarly, like obviously I wish it never happened and I could keep wishing, but at the end of the day, look at where both of those things have brought us and overcoming our traumas and also just now helping guide people and serving people to do the same thing for themselves. Sometimes it sounds crazy to say it happened for us, but it did. Of course, I don't wish trauma or anything upon anyone. It's a lot to handle mentally, emotionally. I have this theory, and that might be another podcast for us to talk about, but I have this theory that no one comes into this life and escapes trauma. Again, if you look at intersectionality and the intersecting you know, identities, uh, race, gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, uh, as you look at what forms our identity of self, I think that also adds or informs how traumatic your life gets or becomes because our parents are doing the best. Like look at today. Imagine somebody who just had a baby today. They're raising their child in a world where we live our lives on social media. I grew up without a phone. I, I grew up in the bush. Like I grew up doing my homework by candlelight. Like even for me, I'm like, what is this? Like, what is this new world? Like, and our brains were not designed for this world right? Our brains was, were designed to eat and not be eaten. That's it. It, it, it. Like, that's it, right? So our limbic system, you know, the emotional part of the brain is not designed to understand that seeing somebody doing something on social media that's similar to you, is like feeling like a lion is chasing you. That can activate your stress hormones and that can send you into comparison and can send you into rumination, which can send you into depression, which can send you to anxiety, panic attack, like, no one upgraded our, again, that life book. Maybe we're supposed to write it together. There's nothing wrong with you, but your brain is designed to actually look out for fear because it does not like anything that is not in its comfort zone. It does not like anything that's new. It does not like anything it doesn't understand. Your brain does not work well with ambiguity. So your role as the CEO of your soul is to design your life, your future, by putting in all the things that you want to accomplish as a line item into your brain's coding system so that it understands that this particular thing matters to you. So this is where the power to create comes in because you get to choose your thoughts and your emotions. And since the brain is malleable and it's involved in everything we do, you can 
change it by how you think, how you feel, your environment, who you listen to, what you eat, your gut. Some researchers call it the third brain. We are so connected to our inner power, to our inner source. So all we have to do is to tap into it and then you can, you know, activate that CEO handle and um, start driving life your way. And oftentimes, I know you started touching on this before, we're living on autopilot and we just start believing that our thoughts are real. And that's really scary. I've been an avid meditation practitioner now for the last seven years. And even still to this day, I'll catch thoughts in meditation and think, oh my gosh, like I still have these hardwired thoughts in me. And it's hard to change the thoughts and the thought patterns when you're not even aware of what they are yet. So I don't know, meditation for me would be the number one tool that I use. How have you been able to catch your thought patterns? So meditation has, hasn't really been one of the tools, but I used to write a lot. So I, I write a lot, journaling, um, having a gratitude practice as well has really allowed me to be more aware of my thoughts. Breathing as well. So I, I use breathing. I use um, in the success planner, I know a habit tracker, loving kindness affirmation. So repeating, you're loved and supported like every, every, so I create something called a self-talk tape because I know that automatic negative thoughts, they're automatic. So which means the brain is always running them. So I'm creating my automatic positive emotion self-talk tape. So I just, so I already know what happens on A, I just need to create B, right? So, so that is also a tool that I use. So that's why the success plan, I designed it that way to, oh, gratitude practice, tracking my thoughts. Because anytime you give your attention to something, you increase your focus. But we also know we're, in an, we're also in an attention deficiency economy right now where there's so many things vying for our attention. So the pen and paper is now becoming even more important because when we write, we activate a certain part of the brain that increases our ability for us to focus on that particular thing or to bring it to our attention or to embed it into our psyche. So writing, if anything, is going to become, I guess you can say, the new um, lightsaber <laughs> for the 21st century leader. Um, and it's crazy because it's something we grew up with. It's ancient. But these have been the part of the things. And I'm very particular about my morning routine in terms of listening to something, so feeding my mind through my gratitude practice, reviewing my um, vision statement in my planner. Oh my goodness. You guys need to see what she's showing me right now because it's this beautiful, colorful collage of greatness. That's what it looks like. So I'm constantly feeding my mind for the life that I want. As much as I don't meditate, I, I go off and on with meditation. It's, uh, we have a dance going on. But I have created a practice where every second I'm aware of my thoughts and I, I choose a different thought. This is why I asked this question because meditation, you know what, I do believe it. it. It could be for everybody. But I think that it's at different times in your life, you're going to gravitate towards it. And yes, I believe that journaling that happens right after my meditation almost every morning I won't say I'm perfect and do it every morning, but the journaling has helped me see. So I've been journaling now for the last four years, almost every day. And I was actually talking to my therapist about this yesterday. I said to her, I'm like, is it so weird that when I look back at all my journaling, it's always about men and relationships and some sort of chaos with men. And then now I'm in a loving, healthy relationship 
And yeah, of course, my writing is a little bit different now where it's like I'm actually just so grateful for my partner, but I've done so much of my own work, right? I've dedicated to it still. And I mean, he is a mindful practitioner also, so he really won't let me escape my stuff and he'll help me sit with it, which I'm just so grateful for. But for the first time, I'm actually looking fully at other parts of my life that I never looked at before because I was so overly consumed by this one area, especially with romance and my love life. And that's the thing. And and that's the beauty of addressing the elephant in the room, because once you do, it opens up your capacity for more, right? It opens up your ability for you to not just see more, but to manifest more as well, Uh, because you now have the capacity to, to tap into that, what feels good what works. And even if something is not working, you know how to manage it, right? Because you now trust yourself that you have the, the confidence to face those unpleasant emotions, no matter how uncomfortable it is. So that's the beauty of it. And, and that's my wish for everyone to know that you are strong enough, you are confident enough to trust yourself through this process of life. Because I find with that, um, then you can handle any and everything. I'm not saying everything will be easy. There's a difference. You'll be able to handle any and everything. Because then we'll be able to now understand that things happen for us and not to us. And with that in itself is the first step to owning your power. Carlin, I'm so grateful that we got to chat today. This is like starting my gloomy Toronto afternoon off so beautifully. You bring the ray of sunlight into this world. So thank you so much. And I know you have some cool stuff launching or it might actually already be launched that I think our listeners would really dig. So I'd love for you to share that with them. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, and thank you so much for having me. I feel like we could talk for the whole day. So one of the tools that I talked about in terms of consistency around the practices to help you to become the CEO of your soul, CEO of your life, is a success planner. And I took all the lessons from the Brené Browns, uh, Tony Robbins, Napoleon Hill, Victor Frankl, some of my favorite teachers out there, uh, virtual teachers, and also the data I've gotten from my life so far. And I created a journal so that we can practice becoming our best self 365 days of the year. And it has a 12-step process from having a gratitude practice. There's a writing a letter to your future self. Um, there's an opportunity for you to create your own vision statement or your vision wall within the planner. There's a habit tracker so that you can get more granular on the things that you want to just shine a light deeper in, uh, you know, on your life. There's a reflection every month. We reflect on lessons learned. Uh, what are some of your bright spots? What would you like to celebrate? Who do you need to network with? Um, who can you be of service to? Is there someone in your life right now that, at your home that you need to be the hero in their lives? Like, how are you creating community and connection? I often say it's, it's not for the average person, uh, not, and, and I don't mean average in a, in a bad way, but if you're someone who has not had a history of journaling or doing that kind of work, it will seem a bit intimidating for you. Um, it, it might, but I still encourage you if you want to challenge yourself for 2020 to really step full into your power, I still get the success planner. But for people like you, I know you're going to love it because it, it, it just has all the things that we've all been practicing over the year, but you have it in just one journal. So it's people often tell me, don't call it a planner. It's more like my life journal. Uh, so it's planner meets journal meets um, how do you create better practices and we have something very special coming forward next is our fifth anniversary 
and we're releasing a new set of journals as well, but this one is also even more intense. It's for the people who want to get granular on the morning routine, the evening routines, even tracking your energy for the day, your emotions for the day. It's for those who are like that next level. Um, and the third thing I'd like to share that's coming soon, and I'm not sure if anybody in your community would be interested in, is that we're certifying people in the Elephant Stories uh, Leadership Masterclass process. If you want to run your own circle, if you want to walk people through their own elephant stories to help them to uncover those unconscious behavioral patterns and biases, this often leads to helplessness and self-sabotage in our lives. Um, we're certifying people in that process, teaching people how to, the science behind themselves. We're also taking a look at emotional intelligence and also giving people the tools around positive neuroplasticity mindset. How do you take control of your life by taking control of your mind? So that certification program is launching um, early 2020. We will have a soft launch the next month with a small pilot group we've actually already have one sessions in the elephant stories class uh, where we're hoping to graduate our first set of people by spring next year and uh, we're going on tour i'm calling it the dream bigger tour because if we remove if we help you remove the elephant in your life and for those who listen i want them to think about that if we help you to tame the elephant i would say not remove but tame the elephant in your life what would be possible for you how would you dream bigger what would be that bold dream, that big dream that you will go after this year? I would love to hear. Amazing. And where can they find you? So on Instagram, I'm pretty current on Instagram at Carlin Purcell. My website, carlinpurcell.com. The link for the success one is in my bio on my Instagram page. Amazing. Now we'll start to close, but I know you must have one mantra that you live by. Tell us. I feel like we could all use some of that one mantra so when you purchase a success planner you'll find all my favorite quotes and mantra all throughout every monday we actually start off with an affirmation so let me see what's the affirmation for this week so i'll share this week's affirmation as per the success planner and then i'll also share with you my favorite affirmation okay so this week's um affirmation is i am worthy of kindness and compassion and actually, I think it's perfect for our conversation because as we're journeying to understand self more and some of the elephant stories or gremlins come up, sometimes I know we can be a bit unkind to ourselves in the, in the sense of hurry. Like healing is not linear. There's no timeline for it. Just continue to trust your soul and, and, it, and it will, things will, will come up, navigate, heal, close as they should. So um, that's this week's affirmation. And my one affirmation that I say all the time to keep me grounded and to keep me supported in this life is that you are loved and supported. Everything and everyone is working on your behalf, especially during the difficult times, because we can tend to forget that. And sometimes I do fall back in victim mindset. Oh, why is that happening now? Why me? Everything and everyone is working on your behalf. You are loved and supported. Bad things, unpleasant things happen because I am loved. Because uh, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, um, wants me to find that deeper connection to my love. So he's given me an opportunity to dig deeper so that I can find that connection. Carlin, thank you just for being so authentically you. Thank you. So good to meet you. And thanks for having me on. Okay, that's it for this week's episode. Remember... To stay inspired in between our episodes, you can head on over to Instagram and follow us at Your Soul Compass and at Wonderful Soul. For free meditations and mindfulness guides, you can head over to WonderfulSoul.com. And please don't forget to hit subscribe in your podcast player so you never miss an episode. And please, 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 if this content delighted you, leave us a note telling us on iTunes. I read 
every one of these personally and your feedback really helps me grow the show and produce the type of content you find valuable. Thank you, you beautiful soul, for dedicating time to your self-discovery journey. Not only are you contributing to your own mental and emotional well-being, but you are contributing to a healthier, more harmonious world and raising the consciousness of our planet. You are amazing and beautiful, just as you are. Thank you for being part of our journey, and thank you for letting us become part of yours.